regular co who said fantastic. Callum McFadden on this Tuesday uh, morning in Los Angeles, where I am, and of course, uh, Tuesday afternoon where you are in beautiful Scotland. Callum, how are you doing, mate? I'm doing well, Phil. Looking forward to, to doing the show. It's been, as yeah. always, this season, another another week of big decisions at Manchester United. Well, I say big yeah. decisions. Normally, it's been big talking points, but we've finally had a big decision and looking forward to, to chatting all things United with yourself today. You know, when we did this podcast last week, it was, I think it was on the Monday after the Watford game, where at that point, it was really just talk. Um, there was nothing concrete, but it felt like, even though there was just talk, there was a certain inevitability about Solskjaer's departure. And, of course, um, I think it had just happened on the Monday, if my memory serves me right. Um, and, and Rania came in. And Paul Morrison said something uh, that I think he deserves a wee bit of um, leeway on. I know he's been criticised heavily for his views on Rania, but I agree with him on one thing. He said, if those two late goals don't go in against Watford, I think Solskjaer's still in charge. I actually agree with him on that. Right? And I think um, that probably would have happened. So here we are. Unbelievable situation where we've now got Solskjaer gone, Ranić, and, and I say unbelievable because this is a massive acknowledgement for Manchester United that this is an ideological shift. This should have happened after Ferguson. When Ferguson left, the football club needed to modernise. What should have been done is a study on all of Europe's top clubs on how to operate in the modern era. But that wasn't done. So United went from Ferguson, which was a relic from a previous era, to David Moyes intend to replicate the Ferguson era. Scottish guy, very similar principles, all built on rugged individualism. The individual. Individual coach, Individual player. Another thing that happened, Callum, sorry for this long piece, but it's really important that it ties in. <clears throat> when Wayne Rooney held Manchester United to ransom over that contract, one of the main areas he was able to do that on was the commercial side. He was the only superstar at the football club. So all of the sponsors wanted his face on their branding. And Rooney knew this. Rooney knew his commercial value was far more it was far more important to United than the athletic value. Woodward wanted to change that. He said, you know what, we'll never be in a situation again. I know that happened with David Gill, but Woodward was at the football club. And he wanted to bring in Galacticos, big stars, so that Manchester were never in a situation again. And obviously the obvious commercial value, he saw Rooney's commercial value, he said, what if we had more Rooney's? And here we are. We've attempted to recreate that over and over and over again, and we've never been able to do it. Now, finally, it's an acknowledgement you know, they need to modernize in the modern era. They need a football infrastructure. And this is a departure from the attempt to consistently recreate the past that's gone. If you look at United's rivals, Chelsea, City, or European rivals, they had long since adjusted to the three-year manager, which is the average tenure of a lifespan. Now, Solskjaer was coming up on three years. A proper club doing his due diligence would have made sure that whether Solskjaer you know, is, is a life term, is, is a lifer or not, you go out and look for contingencies because it's not just about whether the guy gets sacked. What if the guy leaves? What if the guy resigns? What if he gets poached by another football club? You, it's proper due diligence to make sure that in every position at that football club, given turnover, you have contingencies. 
It's fluid, so you have to keep doing it because who's hot today may not be hot six months from now. That wasn't done. This is what needs to change, Callum. So when we're talking about a football infrastructure, we need to do a couple of things because this is going to be a gut check for Manchester United. It's very easy to turn around and say, we're going in the Ralph Ranick direction. But to completely commit to Ralph Ranick, they're going to have to let Ralph Ranick make decisions like if Paul Pogba or Bruno Fernandes or any footballer at this football club doesn't fit what I'm trying to do, Cristiano Ronaldo, they go. Now, United in the past have been notorious for half committing. You look at Mourinho. Eh, they bought some players for him, but not all because the gut check told him, nah, I don't really like this guy. I don't really like the direction he's going in. Don't really want to keep giving him money. It's in the British relationship. They half committed to Van Hall. And this is what you see at United. You get this mishmash of players from different managers with different ideologies that have no team. Not City, not Chelsea. These are players that have bought multiple different managers with similar ideologies. So you don't have revolution. You have evolution every time a manager comes in. So now United have acknowledged the problem. They seem to be addressing the problem. But now comes the real part of this, Calm. The real gut check is he's only as good as the control that you give him. And Manchester United usurped control from Ferguson when he left. And I believe they had to do that because they had to modernize. But they didn't redistribute that power to football people. And hence the reason this is how you spend a billion and have nothing to show for it. Because there's no coherent recruitment strategy. Stuff is all over the place. So it also, you know, it have to go in a whole different direction. And this is going to be really, really interesting. I believe that because of everything that's happened with COVID and the money situation, everything else, United now find themselves in a situation where they can't afford to get it wrong anymore. That money isn't there anymore to get it wrong. You look at the money coming from Newcastle. I believe United have said, look, we need to do something different. But, Callum, Manchester United are not Leipzig. They're not Hoffenheim. You can't go out and send all the top young players in the world before they're superstars and expect to put them in a Manchester United team and win the league. It's great for those clubs because they can develop and sell. But that's not what United are here to do. So it's going to be really, really interesting to see how Ranić adapts to a top, top club because he hasn't been at a top, top club. He's been at clubs with different ideologies. How do you deal with, you're not managing 19-year-olds from all over the world. You're managing Ronaldo. You're managing Bruno Fernandes. How do you manage these players? And how do you get the best out of these players? And how do you, how do you marry your ideology with that of a top club? It's going to be really interesting to see how he goes about that. But one thing that's really, really encouraging to me, and you've seen all the other managers say this, United will be organised. That seems so basic, but United have not been organised. Really looking forward to seeing what he brings. <clears throat> Absolutely looking forward to, to seeing what he brings in this interim period in charge, because as you've said, on the pitch, United need an immediate influx of tactical nows, because... For as good as Ole was in, in the couple of seasons before this one where it started to go wrong, you, you felt, and we talked about this numerous times, that United were set up to win games in moments with individual brilliance. And when you look at the top teams in Europe, you look at Manchester City uh, under Pep Guardiola, you even look at Liverpool under Klopp, you even look at Tuchel since, um, uh, since he's come into Chelsea. There is a clear structure and a clear plan as to how they play. 
you know going into the game against Manchester City beforehand, they're going to try and dominate the ball, they're going to try and pin you back and use the wide areas, whether it's Mares or Sterling or whoever's there, and that's what they're going to try and do. It's up to you how you stop it. At times with United, Pep Guardiola spoke about it a few weeks ago, um, so it was Kevin De Bruyne said, we didn't prepare a lot of shape the day before the game because Guardiola said, we really don't know how Manchester United are going to set up, and People might say, oh, well, you're unpredictable. You can come into a game and, and maybe mix it up. But United were un- unpredictable in all the wrong ways. It felt as mm-hmm. if we've conceded a few more goals. We'll go to five at the back. Was there a real specific reason for going five at the back? Or was it as simple as we've conceded four? We don't want to do that again. Stack, we'll stick an extra man in and see if that does the job. You know, it, it was too simplistic. And, and I think Ralph Raniak is, is someone who, based on what I've read from the likes of Raphael Honigstein and uh, observers of German football far more closely than I am, um, he certainly gets teams organised. He likes his teams to play in the front foot. He likes to play high-energy uh, pressing football, which will be very interesting with some of the players that United have got, as I'm sure we'll come to. So it's going to be a fascinating journey in these six months of interim managerial um, time. However, the, the big thing that I'm excited about is the two-year consultancy role after this because Mm -hmm. if he can come in and make an impact, if he's allowed ample input into who the next manager is going to be and if it's a manager in his image, should he be successful, then you would think United at last are finally heading in the direction where they're going to have a really established elite sporting director who can really feed into a manager who has similar ideas if that manager wasn't to work, then he would go, but someone else would come in and they'd still hopefully be working under Ranić, and it would be a project that you could see United going forward with rather than, right, right, we've went from Van Hal, right, we'll go to Mourinho, right, we'll get rid of Mourinho, we'll go to Oli. You're hoping you can see decisions from United that have a clear, a clear intent because you look at... If Man City lost Pep Guardiola tomorrow, they would not hire... Uh, a Diego Simeone. They they would they would mm-hmm. go and hire another manager, a Nagelsmann, a Brendan Rodgers, whoever it may be, someone that plays a similar style of football. They might not be the same standard because there aren't many peps about, but they would definitely have a direction and a clear intent to remain consistent to what they believe in. And it's about time United did the same. Yeah, so there is some encouragement there with this consultancy role. <clears throat> um, but I want to know exactly what that means because we're all often asked about a director of football. And I've always said, look, that's a tale. The devil's in the details. What exactly does the director of football mean? What powers of control do you give him? Because if it's just a voice, then he's just another voice on this non-decision-making football panel. And yes, I hope he is involved in the process of selecting a new manager. But Ralph Ranić is famous for building football clubs. So you don't give someone like him an interim job. He doesn't build a football club in a couple of months. So that is a project, and I hate that word. So what exactly are you asking him to come in and do in six months? And he's got essentially one window. Now, let's say you're Ralph Ranić in February, March, and you're bollocking players and trying to discipline them. How much power do you really have? And how much respect do you get from most players if you know you're not going to be here in a couple of months? And see, this is why this is uncertain to me. What exactly does consultancy mean? You know, if he leaves United in six months or at the end of the season, consultancy means nothing. 
just means you're getting another opinion that you don't listen to. You don't like it. You know, do you have? Does he have complete control over reshaping the football club? Which I would imagine, you know, he's turned down other jobs before because he hasn't got complete control. I want to know exactly what's in the details. What does that mean? And here's the, here's the other thing for me, Cam. I just want to say something. We talk about you need to learn from your mistakes. But in order to learn from your mistakes, you have to know what your mistakes are. And for me, the mistake was not giving an interim manager the job. For me, the mistake was giving who the interim manager was the job. Because if a guy comes in and does well, there's no better proof of competence than being able to actually do the job. So that trumps any bullshit you do in a PowerPoint presentation or anything you say in an interview. If you demonstrate an aptitude to do the job you're, you're being asked to do, there is no greater proof, proof in the pudding. So if Ranya comes in and does an exceptional job, are we going to turn around in six months and go, you know what, I didn't like that old interim thing on the rally, so we're not going to do it. It's not the interim thing, it's the guy you hired. It has nothing to do with whether you should hire someone on it because they do a good job over a short-term basis, right? Are you telling me if Zinedine Zidane comes in as an interim manager for the next six months, does an outstanding job, we don't give him the job because of these stupid red lines that make no sense? The same red lines that... We're not hiring, we're not buying superstar players anymore, they don't work. No, the players you bought didn't work. Real Madrid didn't stop saying Kaká and Ronaldo and everybody else because one of their superstars didn't work. It's ridiculous. Again, to know your mistakes, to learn from mistakes, you have to know what your mistakes are. And that's something that concerns me. Spot on. And just in regards to the consultancy role, I might be giving United too much credit here, so please bear with me, but part of me thinks they're leaving it uh, a very vague at the moment. Yes. Because they, don't, they don't want to say he's going to become, say, director mm-hmm. of football or technical director in the summer. I'm not saying he's going to flop, but if he was to flop, let's be honest, he's not going to be staying on in consultancy. So I think they're basically saying he's interim to the end of the season and fingers crossed, toes crossed, all going well, he will then move upstairs into a, a football operations role but obviously, I think the reason, in my opinion, the reason they're saying consultancy is, I think if they were to announce he's going to be director of football in the summer, he gets off to a terrible start, um, he finishes outside the Champions League places, a lot of people would be scratching their heads thinking he's not up to the job as a manager. How all of a sudden is he going to be up to the job in a sporting capacity? So I think they're buying themselves a little bit of leeway with that. I could, again, I could be giving them too much credit, but that's what I'm reading into it. And I don't think, unless we get to April and they're guaranteed Champions League football and the process of getting a new manager is well underway. I don't see them giving specific answers to what his role will be after the summer. However, obviously, when he speaks to the press, it's your job, Phil, and the job of others mm-hmm. who will get to speak to him to, to try and tease that out of him and whether he will give anything away by mistake, I don't quite know. But I think they're deliberately being vague so they can assess how well things are going. Again, I could be giving them too much credit, but that... That's what I'm trying to read between the lines as. Well, there's deliberate ambiguity here. And here's the thing. A manager and a sporting director are two different things, right? So he's brought in as a manager, but then he is going to be responsible as a sporting director. Now, imagine, predictably, you're seeing stories about who he might be interested in January. Now, I said, if Solskjaer was still at that football club in January, I couldn't see Nettie giving him money. Because of the uncertainty of her position. 
So why would they give Ranić money in January, knowing he's leaving in six months, knowing it may not be the other manager's decision or preference for that particular player? I mean, I don't see nearly giving Ranić money in January. Why would they? He's there to coach the players that he has. And that's a long-term investment. And if you're a player, for example, and you get a call from Ralphie, says, come on, same for a football club, Ralphie, you're not going to be here in six months. What if this new manager doesn't like me and I've got a Van der Beek situation all over again? So I just think, you know, yeah, maybe the pool of Manchester United will bring certain players to a football club, possibly. But I don't see that happening. I don't see United giving them money, money in January. So <clears throat> I don't see that happening, making me any changes. Um, and then, so now he is going to have to be involved in the process of selecting a new manager. So clearly he's not going to be manager at the end of the season. He's going to be at the sporting director. What, what, what exactly is, is he going to do in two years? What does consultancy mean? And see, I, 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 that's the part where... I think you need, need to be a little clearer on in saying, because Cam, we've got so many questions about United, legitimate questions about the direction of the football club. <clears throat> and I do think this is a positive in some sense, but I need to know exactly what they're asking this man to do. Because if it's just come on in and be a coach to the end of the season, then you don't hire Ralph Ranić. Because that's not what he's most famous for. He's most famous for building football clubs, being a sporting director. Yes, he's a manager. He's done he's done well as a manager too. But he's never managed players at his profile before. So it's one thing asking Timo Werner or some kid at Leipzig to press till his bollocks drop off. And it's another asking Cristiano Ronaldo to do it. And I said I needed United needed someone to walk in that dressing room to get the immediate respect to those players. Like as Zidane would have. I understand. I don't know this for certain. But I, I heard Zidane didn't want the job. Which is fine. Um, so I don't know if Ranić does that. Now he has the respect of a lot of coaches. Don't get me wrong. But this isn't Jurgen Klopp or Thomas Tuchel. You know, Thomas Tuchel was at PSG. Jurgen Klopp had taken Dortmund to Bundesliga titles. Champions League finals. So they may coach in his image, but he doesn't have the profile of those play, those coaches that's going to come in there and demand immediate respect. Just because someone copies your your principles doesn't mean they coach and manage human beings in the same way. And when I look at that dressing room, Callum, I think it was very telling Roy Keane's attitude <clears throat> at the end when he... remember he's had problems with Michael Carrick before, but uh, <laughs> when he said about Carrick being proud of the players. Proud of those players? I interviewed Brian Robson yesterday and I asked Brian Robson about the Liverpool game where he said, you know, I can accept losing. I can accept not playing well. I accept being second best. But what I can't accept as a fan is players walking through a game. We used to get guaranteed blood and thunder in a Liverpool game even if we weren't as good as them and vice versa. So, why didn't we get that? And he talked about this, about the need to clatter only a few tackles, do this, do that, do this, do that. And we had none of that. 
So those players are partly responsible for that, but it's also a fundamental issue at the football club because here's where another gut check comes from Manchester United. Manchester United are in a situation where people that they don't want under contract are under contract and players, people that they do want under contract are not. Paul Pogba and Jesse Lingard, if they would sign contracts tomorrow, we'd be giving them. But Michael Carrick and all the rest of that coaching team that were given contracts and signed them because they had no alternatives, and it, uh, now they have to sack them. Now, I'm sure you never were smart enough, at least I would hope they were, to put small compensation packages in the event that they needed to be terminated. Right? They shouldn't be there, in my opinion. They're responsible. They're part of the old regime. They need to go. They're as much as responsible for this as Solskjaer is, in my opinion. But whatever, if Ranjik wants to keep more. So they, they, how do they deal with Ralph Ranjik coming to Manchester United and saying, <clears throat> hey, Paul Pogba needs to... Needs to leave his football club. I mean, use him merely as an example. Okay, Ralphie. The problem is, Paul Pog was worth 80 million, this football club, and there's a contract on the table that he's going to sign, and we're not going to let him go because we want to protect his transfer value. He's toxic in the dressing room. Don't care. Protect his transfer value. There's the gut check. Because Manchester United have needlessly renewed contracts for players to protect resale value when those players should be gone. And when you, as a boss, do not have control or have soft power, you don't have no respect. There's no fear. That's not a healthy situation. And when you don't control who works at your company and you don't have the ability to terminate employment or meet out serious consequences, then people don't fear you. You know, I, I, I create this to my ma, my dad. You know, when I was a kid growing up, I was petrified about that, getting clipped. It wasn't a man. It's a poor analogy, but you get the point. Those with the power and the ability to meet out consequences for failure are the people that individuals respect. And you really only need a boss when you're failing, by the way, of which Munchies and Editor are failing. In terms of respect and... The gut, the gut check, it's going to come right away. You, you talked about the previous staff there. Um, it'll be very telling when, when Ralph speaks to the media for the first time because the question's going to absolutely be coming. Um, Mike Phelan, Michael Carrick, Kieran McKenna, um, Mark Dempsey and others on the staff, have you decided to keep them at the football club? How long will they be staying at the football club? Because they're under contract, I think it is until 2024 or whatever it may be. So those questions are going to come, not only in the interim period, but afterwards, because he's going to be at the club, as, as, as we both said, in this consultancy-type basis. So why are those staff still there? How long are they going to be still there for? And crucially, it's been reported over here in the few outlets that he plans to bring a couple of people with him. One of them is a, a video analyst who, who obviously you would think, OK, he'll slip into the background, that's fine. But what if he wants to bring someone in as his number two or he wants to bring in a number two and a first team coach, but these staff are also to stay? How is that going to work on the training field? Are you going to get people essentially standing there like like, like spare cones if you, if, you would, if you want, you know? How is that going to work? How is he going to integrate his ideas with staff who maybe aren't aligned to his way of football? How can you do that in a quick period? As you've said, it's an interim period. He's got to hit the ground running straight away. There are a lot of big questions that will be asked of United over this winter period. Every single team in the Premier League 
gets asked massive questions in this period. You play a lot of games in a condensed period, um, especially around the real festive times where you played Boxing Day, 28th, 29th, whatever. The, the thing about United that frustrates me with this decision, and we talked about it weeks ago, if you're hiring someone like Ralph Franjic, who is a, a, a coach who's highly respected by other coaches, by players he's worked with before, surely any competent football club would bring him in in the international break and give him two weeks to work with the players. United are bringing him in at a time where he's barely going to have any training ground time with these players because you're going to have games coming left, right and centre. You're going to have the odd day in the training ground here or there, rest days, uh, recovery days. He's under the course from, from, from game one, as anybody who came into this job, of course, would be at this stage. But it just frustrates you and angers you that you think they could have brought him in in an international break and given him a couple of weeks to really steady himself, answer all the questions that are going to be asked of him without a game being on the horizon, rather than Carrick takes the game, say, on Thursday, Ralph's parachuted in for the weekend, and here we go, all guns blazing. It's it's going to be an interesting time. And in regards to the contract situation, I agree with you that that's also going to be a big gut check because if Paul Pogba said tomorrow... As you say, Phil, I'm willing to sign a new five-year contract on whatever terms it is. United would be all over that, similarly with Lingard. And that is, again, going to be another big issue. Is Ranjik, because he is only there for six months in charge, and if he's got the power to bring in his own man afterwards, you would think he's going to be ruthless and he's going to be able to sideline players if he doesn't want them, which could, again, lead to awkward questions and awkward situations. He could. I'm not saying he would do it to Ronaldo. Ronaldo is Ronaldo, but he could easily say... I'm playing him up top, you're on the bench and you're not, you're in the stand. And there could be awkward questions that arise very, very quickly. And it's about having the strength of character to see it through. And as you've said before, United are kind of half in, half out, do the hokey pokey. Mm. So how, how do you approach it? Yeah, it's almost like waking up on New Year's resolutions. You start out with all the intent in the world and then that starts to fade over time because you revert back to type. And that's what concerns me with this. There's also a couple of things to be taken into consideration. One, I would say the most successful coach that personifies Ranić would be Klopp, right? I mean, Tuchel, you could argue, but say Klopp. Klopp's first season, he finished eighth. Second season, he finished fourth. To implement this gig and press system doesn't happen right away. It takes a lot of time. It takes turnover. It takes intricate turnover. And if you look at Liverpool, they do not consist, with possible exception of Mo Salah, of Galacticos, right? The players bought to fit a system. This is going to be another gut check for Manchester United. Do you want to go down the modest route of buying players that don't necessarily want to be put on the side of a coffee cup or a billboard, but they'll win you trophies? See, this is what I'm saying. You're talking about... Ralph Ryan, you're going to come in and wave a magic wand. All of a sudden, they're going to be organized. We're going to press high. We're going to fly about the pitch. And yeah, you may get an upturn because confidence, a lack of confidence can make you look like you're miles off. I don't think you needed a miles off, by the way. I think they have a serious confidence issue. But as you saw in the second half against Chelsea, there's enough quality there. right? If they're organized properly, easily finish top four. They win the title, maybe. Maybe not. Right? But I'm saying that I don't think United are that far off. And nor did anyone else at the start of the season. So, But what I'm saying is to implement this gig and press, this takes time. This 
you know, didn't work right away for Klopp. It took a lot of time. So I think we need to be cautious here about Ralph Rania coming in and being the saviour and, and flicking flick a switch. There's also the other side of this that Rania will never have dealt with. And that is the intense, insane forensic scrutiny of every move that he makes. And hyperbole either way. You lose, it's the end of the world. And by the way, if you don't think there's favourites that goes on in football, you need only compare Marcelo Bielsa and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Marcelo Bielsa is the only coach I know that can lose with style. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was probably the only manager I knew that won and got slaughtered because he didn't win good enough. Right? But everyone lords Bielsa. Okay. Uh, I think he's a good coach, but um, you know he's a cult figure, isn't he? So <clears throat> I think... Um, we have to be realistic. I don't want to piss on anyone's chips here. I want Klopp to, I want him to come in. I want Ranyuk to come in and do an exceptional job. I want him to come in and click right away. I want to see everything that we're all excited for. And I'm excited to see him there. Trust me, I'm excited because, as I said at the start of this podcast, this is an acknowledgement of an ideological shift from Manchester United. Now comes the part, how committed are you to implementing this in its entirety? Because you see at other clubs, they don't have a New York Yankees brand to rely on to generate revenue. So they have to get it right on the pitch, right? I mean, I'll give you an example. Cam, New York Yankees, I'll use that as an example. How many people in the UK, for example, are aware of the Euro, New York Yankees' last result? I'd say I'm very few. I'll Open. be honest with you, Phil. I know the New York Yankees is an iconic brand. Thank and you. I would there recognize the logo right away. I can tell you the last result yeah. for the last 10 years. All right, so that's what Manchester United are. Okay, and that's what the Glazers think. Okay, their brand strength, their commercial value isn't really impacted by current results because it's a mythological story, right? It's its history. It's all the things that goes into it. And so that's what people buy into. What the mythology around it is, is the story, Liverpool mythology, United mythology, but United are massive. So they think it's like Disneyland, a universally recognized brand where minor perturbations don't really impact because the vast majority of people around the world just aren't following it that closely. They're aware of who they are. They're aware of the mythology around it. And their perceptions around the football club have already been shaped and formed that really aren't impacted by the current result against Watford. Right? Real Madrid, if they lose against Ibar at the weekend, nobody cares. It's still a global iconic brand for its history, for the mythology around it. So that's what that's why the users don't care about fixing roofs. Because if someone wants to buy Manchester United, they're not buying the stadium, they're not buying the team, they're not even buying anything, the, the training ground, they're buying the mythology, the brand recognition around the world that is iconic. That's where the money is. So that then comes where do United behave like a football club? Okay, not a football club that sends Hollywood actors that you can put in the back of your shirt and make a lot of money off. Individuals. Do they care for Ronaldo successful? No, everyone wants a Ronaldo shirt. There is the value. Like I told you to start the show with the Wayne Rooney situation. Okay. So this is going to be really, really interesting to see if Manchester United are willing to go down this route 
are they committed to doing this? And I'll say something else, Callum, I'll give you two examples of where I get concerned, where we're going to target the best young players in the world before they're superstars. What, like Holland and Bellingham? You know, I'm not to get those either. Because that's going to have to be another nurse. They're going to have to develop another skill. Okay, identify them. Now go get them. We'll see. We, we certainly will see. And, and the thing that frustrates me, and we talked about this again in the last few weeks, Jude Bellingham is English. He was at Birmingham City. That should be an absolute gimme for Manchester United because as we mm-hmm. talked about, if there's a young player at Hanover, you can guarantee, but if Bayern Munich want him, they'll get him ahead of United or Chelsea or Arsenal. That that, that just tends to be how uh, clubs that are well run and have a set out strategy and plan as well as their heritage go about their business, particularly with players of their own nationality. United should be able to sign the best homegrown British players. They should be able to attract superstars like your Ronaldo, your Fernandes and, and, and others, Varane, who've come in as well. But bread and butter should always be, we're Manchester United, we're the biggest club in England, we can sign the very best English, Scottish, Irish, Welsh players because they want to come and play for us. Similarly in Spain, you want to go and play for Madrid or Barcelona if you've grown up in in, in Spain, you'd stereotypically that's what you would think, and that's something United, your spot on, have to do a lot better with. I think the biggest test of Ralph Ranić, if he, even if he competes well and he stays on in this um, consultancy role, I'm just going to call it now. And Peter, again, I don't want to just say things for the sake of it, but I honestly think Ronaldo will leave Manchester United in the summer, and the reason I say this is. Roy Keane and Carragher's big debate at the weekend and Keane spot on. You don't sign Ronaldo to put him on the bench. You certainly mm-hmm. do not. And I'm not advocating he should sit on the bench for the rest of the season. But Carragher did make a point I did agree with. Ronaldo's 36 now. He's in incredible shape. He's a freak of a, an athlete who looks as if he could go on forever. But no one can go on forever. And I think if you are changing tack, as you've said, Phil, to being a high-pressing, gagging-pressing team, you're really going to commit to that. I'm sorry, but Ronaldo doesn't fit into that next season. For six months, you might be able to get 10 players running um, their nuts off, as you've said, to, to supplement him. But if you want sustained success with that, I love it, for instance, Liverpool have Roberto Firmino up top. And having grown up, as you have, Phil, thinking of, you grew up with the likes of Mark Hughes, Eric Cantona, I grew up with Ruud van Nistelrooy, um, Wayne Rooney, uh, even when we had the likes of Louis Saha, proper out-and-out strikers and goal scorers were an instinct. Teams at Liverpool can play with a Firmino who is able to knit things together for your Salah and your Mane. United under Ranić, if he is bringing in a coach in his image or if he was to, as you say, somehow stay on for two years as manager if he does exceptionally well, that's the sort of way you can imagine him going about things. His last job was Leipzig, Timo Werner, who you mentioned. Now, Ronaldo's obviously in a different stratosphere to Timo Werner. I'm not comparing them as players like for like because it would be absolutely stupid to do so. But in terms of individual styles, they're, they're complete chalk and cheese. Ronaldo, at his age, is a box player. Get it in the box. He'll score headers. He'll, he'll, he'll score volleys. He, in that penalty box, he is the king. Whereas Werner at Leipzig, not at Chelsea, was able to chase every ball, he was able to win the ball back, he was able to score a lot of goals, score 28 Bundesliga goals in his last season with Leipzig, as well as providing lots of assists. If you're going down and you're seriously committing to a style and a formation over Galacticos, as you've said, 
then you're going to have to be ruthless, even with the very best of them all in Ronaldo. United, obviously, well, no club would want to do that given the commercial revenue that he brings in. But that's certainly something that the media are going to focus on. And as you said at the very start of this, for all of Ranić's genius and respect for fellow coaches and players he's worked with before, he has never, ever worked with a player like Ronaldo, who's won everything in the game five times over, won Ballon d'Ors five times over. It'd be the same if he went into to Paris Saint-Germain with Messi, as Pochettino's finding. When you work with guys of that calibre, who are the best players of their generation and arguably the best players of all time, you need to manage them in a certain way. And if you're not for turning, that's going to come to a head very quickly. And I I wouldn't be surprised if he is going to, in this consultancy, they'll have a big say in the manager, if George Mendes won't be in contact with United to really find out who that's going to be as soon as he possibly can and what's happening. Because there is no way on earth Ronaldo will be put into an awkward situation at United by Mendes or himself. If he feels that United are going in a different direction that won't suit him or he's going to potentially be on the bench more often, as we saw at Chelsea, he was straight down the tunnel again at full time, as we all saw, then that's going to have to be dealt with. Because United, I'll be honest with you, as much as I love and respect Ronaldo, I, 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 people might disagree with me. That's not a good look. And it really frustrates me that you can't even walk over, even though you've won five Ballon d'Ors, Champions Leagues, etc., clap three times and walk down a tunnel. The fact that you go straight down that tunnel anytime you're substituted or you don't have a good game. I know you can say competitive instinct and and, and he's ruthless. I don't like that. And I really I really hope that that's addressed. Well, first of all, I, I'm going to disagree with you on a couple of things. First of all, everyone knows what Ronaldo is. Okay. He is what they he do, is. But, but they do, but they do, Phil. But one, this is where I will stick up for some of the pundits. But you can only say that for so long. He has built United out this season. Yeah, he's 36. Right. right. He's not, he's not so, 26. Now, hold on. Let's go back to when he was in his prime at Manchester United. Because I remember it very clearly when he compared himself to a slave because he couldn't get a move. Right. This is a guy who numerous times batted his eyes at Real Madrid before he actually left. So the idea that he's going to come back and not be, because what that selfishness is what makes him what he is, right? And honestly, yeah, you go clap a couple of supporters, but to me, that's easy. I'd rather see, that, that to me is just one step up from a social media apology. Go clap the supporters. Yeah, I can understand the optics, but it, it it's, you know, it, it, it's not anything meaningful to me. It's, it, it is, when I look at them do that to me, that, that, that's theatrics. That's not a meaningful, anyone can go stand and clap a supporter. I don't want you to clap me after you've just lost 4-1 to Watford. I'd far rather you went and played on the pitch like Cristiano Ronaldo did. I'd far rather you clap me after you scored or after you won. And on top of which, this idea that Ronaldo can press, yeah, I understand he's 36, but he's not crippled. Of course he can press. Of course he can run. If he was 36 years of age with knees that were 46 and wasn't mobile, he wouldn't score goals. Come, His movement is part of what gets him the goals that he gets. And by the way, I want my defenders to defend before they can play ball, before they can attack, before they can play like... Uh, Johan Cruyff I want my midfielders to be able to be good at their job before they can do all the other things I want my forwards to score goals before they defend 
and we got 10 other players that can press. The problems that United have are not because Cristiano Ronaldo is in presence, because the whole team is in presence. You know, it's not Ronaldo's fault when Luke Shaw and Harry Maguire are all over the place and can't mark. It's amazing to me. And this is, again, this bogeyman syndrome. One guy, Solskjaer's to blame. Get him out. Ranić's the hero. He's the guy. He's going to fix it. Ronaldo's to blame. Get him out. This is a collective problem. This is not a one-guy problem. And I urge native fans to look beyond Solskjaer for the problem, because the one thing that's been consistent at Manchester United since 2013, the people above Solskjaer. So they have to have a hand in this. But somehow they never lose their jobs. Somehow they never look at themselves and think, maybe I'm to blame too. Maybe I'm part of the problem. And this idea that Cristiano Ronaldo, who's been probably United's best player this season, is the, is the problem, is so lazy and laughable to me. I knew it was going to happen. I knew that they, oh, it must be because Ronaldo's 36. Listen, what did we hear when he came to the league? He's not going to do it. He's not human. Yeah, I know he's not human. What did Paul Morrison say? He's not going to score double coat, double figures here, Jeff. Well, he has. Or is there or thereabouts? His record's unbelievable. He's still turned the Premier League apart. You telling me Harry Kane's pro presser? Come on. You know, we, we used to laud the old English number nines. You know, Cavani. Is Cavani a top presser? Absolute bollocks. Did Cristiano Ronaldo and Cavani are top pressers? Cavani was playing last season. He's an old-fashioned number nine. Scores gold when you need them. Give me that striker before you give me Timo Werner. You see Timo Werner at the weekend? He might do a lot of running about, but he doesn't have a lot of quality on the ball when it matters. Because ultimately, the hardest thing to do in this game is score goals. And if you've got someone that nine times out of ten is going to put the ball in the back of the net, I don't care if he doesn't press their number three hard enough because I got two other lines that they got to get through. And if they do their jobs properly, they don't. Because I can go through European football. You tell me Kareem Benzema's pro presser? Man, this is nonsense. This is absolute lazy punditry nonsense. Right? Tell me how many teams in the Premier League wouldn't take Cristiano Ronaldo. Roy Keane said, I played with Cantona. Right? Now, except it was a different time then. But high press isn't something we've just seen the last 10 years. So this idea that everyone's got to run their bollocks off or we can't win, it's ridiculous. Yes, you've got 10 players, you got you got, you got to track, okay? And when Ronaldo doesn't have a ball, look, probably the most immobile player on the pitch next to the goalkeeper is the centre-back, right? They're not involved in 99% of the attack. So if United are conceding goals, it's not because Ronaldo ain't tracking. So, mate, I have to say, I don't agree with that analysis, and I don't agree with what is being said by pundits on it. I think I don't, it's nonsense. I, don't, I think if Ronaldo didn't play for Manchester United and it wasn't Cristiano Ronaldo, we wouldn't be talking about this. I'm not saying that Ronaldo's a problem. He scored a lot of goals. What I'm saying is if United are thinking of buying into this guy for the next two and a half seasons, then a big decision is going to be, have to be made. So that's what I'm saying. I'm not but saying this, but that's what I'm saying earlier. Season. So how does Ralph Ranić deal with Cristiano Ronaldo and not a 19-year-old? Because well, that's going to be the problem. Because this is not me. Leipzig. This is not Hoffenheim. 
for me, I've, anyone that knows my opinions in football, I much prefer a traditional forward than than these than a false nine. That's just the way I prefer to see the game. A striker should score goals. The point I am making, I'm not pinning any blame on him for what's happened this season. He scored the most goals. I think in the Champions League, United would not be through if it wasn't for him. What I'm saying is, the point I'm trying to make is, if you're going to get behind this guy and buy into his methods and he decides that he wants to do it the way he's traditionally done it, then there's going to become a point where they are going to have to look at that because Ronaldo, not just Ronaldo, Messi, any any top, top player is not going to tolerate being on the bench. And, I, and that's where I, I completely that? agreed with Keane. Ronaldo, yes, he can, it doesn't need to play every minute of every game, but it has to be managed well. And that's going to be the big challenge yeah. for Randy, as you're saying. Because if you're 19, 20, 21, you're happy to be rotated with another guy. Who do you yeah. rotate Ronaldo for? Let me ask you this. I'm going to turn this question around. Imagine you're in that position, coach. Cristiano Ronaldo starting up front. What do you say to your centre-back? Don't lose him for a second. Do not zone on Mark Ronaldo. Because if you're a yard off him, he scores. If you fall asleep, he scores. Are you telling me that opposition teams, when they play against Manchester United and Christian Ronaldo starting, they're sending their centre-back, do what you want, though. You play out of the back like Brazil, mate. Nonsense. And if they did, they'd be idiots. I mean, ask your Naomi about it. Ask any top manager that's had to play against Christian Ronaldo must be sick of the sight of him. Do you leave Cristiano Ronaldo unmarked by himself with zona marking from corners, from set pieces, from uh, 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 from, from you're almost sacrificing the player to try to take him out of the game, mate? This is this is this is nonsense. Trust me. This is this idea that we need a striker that's going to run all over the place. It's just not true, and it's not it's not. It, I understand what people are saying, but. Manchester United's problems are not Cristiano Ronaldo. Cristiano Ronaldo is a leader in that dressing room. He's, thank God, you needed to have him in the dressing room because he's an example to all the arseholes that aren't leaders, that this is what it takes to be one. This is what it takes to be a winner. And you need to need more of that than unless of Harry Maguire's. When was the last time Cristiano Ronaldo put a, an apology online? Cristiano Ronaldo, nine teams out of ten, doesn't have to apologise for a performance. Why? Because even when United lose, he's almost always still one of their better players. I mean, he's one of the few players I look at this season that I really can't find a lot of fault in. Despite the fact that we're making excuses for everyone else being atrocious. Imagine him in a good United team. Man, honestly, this is, this is a weird fascination that we have today with... You know, to me, there's the, if you whatever position you play, Wan-Bissaka, right, can defend. He can't go forward. He's limited, right? And when he's lack of confidence like he has now, he looks awful on defense. Limited player, okay? Not a player that you can win a league with because he doesn't give you enough going forward. You need that in today's game, okay? This Luke Shaw, not good enough. This Harry Maguire should not be getting back into this team ahead of Lindelof and, and, and Baye after the performance at Chelsea at the weekend. Shouldn't be. All right. 
This is, these are the problems. Right? Take a look at that Liverpool game. After Fernandez misses that opportunity, the pressing for the first goal was an absolute disgrace. And by the way, it's been going on all season. Rashford half running. Sancho was actually pressing for a while when he came in. And now, like everything else, water fences that way, he's adjusting the tape. Fernandez, eh, half interested. That's not Ronaldo. I don't care if Ronaldo presses like your man's iron. It doesn't matter if the other players around him are walking. And by the way, they were walking. So, anyway, mate, that's my view on it. I think Cristiano Ronaldo, United without Ronaldo, will be a disaster. Imagine. We could be starting with Natalie Martial up front. Really exciting. Um, but anyway, Arsenal, what's your take? You need to play Arsenal on Thursday. Big game. Um, always a big game when you play Arsenal, even though they are not the Arsenal they were maybe 15 years ago when they were winning, winning lots of titles. So it's going to be an intriguing game, this. Um, obviously, Ralph Ranić. it looks as if he's not going to be in the dugout. Um, it looks as if Michael Carrick's going to be in the dugout for the game, but you would expect now that it's been announced that that Ralph Yannick will have his name all over the team sheet in the sense mm-hmm. that it was rumoured at the weekend. Dan Fletcher, I'm sure you saw it, was obviously hooked up to an earpiece. Speculation, was he talking to Randy? Was he, was he not? I don't know. Uh, of course I don't, but uh, that's certainly an interesting thought. So I think it will be very telling to see which team is selected. I completely echo your thoughts on Harry Maguire. Uh, Harry Maguire should not be Manchester United captain, um, in my opinion. And I'm not just saying that because of one or two poor performances. I just... He does not instill any faith in me as a leader on the pitch, off the pitch when he speaks. Uh, he's you, you mentioned Ronaldo there. If you're looking for a captain to replace him with Ronaldo to the end of the season um, or Fernandez, somebody to lead the team long term uh, or medium term has to has to come into it. Because for me, Maguire cannot lead that team anymore. He shouldn't even be starting, as we've said, mm-hmm. um, on Thursday night. So that seriously has to be looked at. And I, th- I hope that that's something that is looked at. But... In terms of the game, I think United are at home. I think they'll be positive. Jaden Sancho, of course, has scored two goals recently, which is massive for his confidence. So I'm looking forward to seeing him play again because I really want to. I really want to see him grow and week upon week because he's certainly got an incredible amount of talent, as we saw when he played in Germany. Uh, I want to see him kick on. In terms of the the team selection, obviously goalkeeper um, picks himself. I think he obviously Van Bissaka will be the the right back. I think, as you've said, Phil, I'd go Lindelof and Baye uh, centre halves. How would you approach the left back situation? Because you mentioned Luke Shaw mm-hmm. currently on form, not being good enough. Would you stick with Teles? Hundred percent. I would. I would. Uh, first of all, Luke Shaw doesn't deserve to play in that team on form alone. Not to match anything else. Um, same with Harry Maguire. And look, we always say when French players get in the team, they have to earn the right to continue to play. Well, so too do the players that play every week. And when you're off form and you're not playing well, week in, week out, you have to get dropped. Sometimes that's for your own good. Look, I remember, I think it was the 89 season, United sent Peter Schmeich all the way for two weeks in the middle of the season, Portugal, for a midweek break. said, go away. Right? And he, he was off form, came back, form was life was sensational. Sometimes you have to get dropped for your own good. And this is where Harry Maguire, who's been off form for a long time, needs to be taken out of that team. And uh, I think 
if you're Lindelof or Bailly and you get dropped, you have every right to be angry. You deserve to be starting because you're doing something Harry Maguire didn't do and you played well. And I thought Lindelof and Bailly played really well the weekend. Um, if you take a look at the fact that with the exception of Wan-Bissaka's penalty miss between Villarreal and the weekend, that's the best United have looked defensively all season. Um, it's hard to believe to me, just to comment on the Chelsea game, how United could be so different from one half to the next. But that second half performance was very encouraging. Very encouraging. Um, and I think... Uh, I have a feeling that United will build on that second half performance and win this Arsenal game with a bit of confidence. And uh, I have a feeling that will win this game. I hope I'm right. But um, those players will know what you and I know. You know, the, the work permit is just <clears throat> a piece of paperwork. Ranjak's already started work there. So he'll already be making for decisions and watching those players closely. And they know that. So you'll probably get a bit of a new manager bounce. So it's going to be really interesting, but uh, there's no question to me. Plus, tell us a benefit from having played the game at the weekend. Improve, you know, that that you get that rhythm. Has to play for me. Uh, be interesting to see what he does in the midfield, whether he picks that midfield three again. Uh, I thought Maddox played quite well the weekend. Thought he was poor first half, second half. Very, very good. Um, and uh, I thought Fred... You know, I've really evolved my thoughts on Fred. I, I, Fred, I really, he's someone I've, I've had so many different opinions on. And I really feel like he's been so unfairly criticised because he hasn't played in a coherent system. Um, it's been, you know, every man for himself. And you, a defensive midfielder can look really bad in that situation. So I think, uh, I think he is probably of the three midfielders between Fred, Maddox and McTominay. The first one that starts for me. Be interesting to see what he does with the other two. And I'd be interested to see if he does have an impact on this team where that leaves Van de Beek, of course. It will be interesting to see what happens with him. I don't think he'll start this game on Thursday. The one that I'm most intrigued about, to be honest with you, is Marcus Rashford. Do you think he earns a start again on Thursday? I, I'm, I'm not too sure mm. about that one. And I think if Ranjik is bold, he will be picking the team. That's the one I'm most interested to see because I think the rest of the team, based on the second half performance, as you've said, picks itself um, to an extent. However, Rashford, I, I, we've talked about kind of half in, half out in terms of um, intensity. So I'm interested to see if they'll stick with Rashford and give him another 90 minutes and give him the confidence to go again or whether they'll, they'll make the call to, to make a change in there. No, I think they'll start Rashford and I think the Greenwood will come on eventually. Um, probably with United's predictable 60th minute sub every week. Um, <laughs> every week, 60th minute, it's almost pre planned. It's it's outrageous. Ronaldo last week, 60th minute bang when you come, Chelsea. So, um, I would expect that Greenwood will be that 60th minute sub and um, get that last half an hour. And I think those those because Rashford's still trying to find his form and trying to find fitness. So I think Rashford will will continue to start because I do believe in a strongest United team. Rashford plays in it. Um, Sancho obviously very encouraging to see him find his form. That'll help him immensely. Lovely, lovely goal by the way. Very underrated finish. Um, and uh, you know, by the way, Callum, that goal that United scored 
that was a result of tactics because they knew that Chelsea weren't keeping a lot of players back and knocked that ball long. And as a result, they scored. So I think the United deserves some credit for that because I don't believe that was a result of... They, they did that deliberately. Um, but anyway, my heart says United will get a result on Wednesday or Thursday. I think they will. I think they'll, they'll, uh, I think they'll beat Arsenal and Arsenal in form. But... Um, we have so many uncertainties ahead, mate. We shall see. I all being well with this Omicron variant and everything else. I will be over there for the Burnley game to the 29th, I think it is. So looking for the 30th. Um, I'm looking forward to going over that. But hopefully, hopefully we don't have any hiccups. But uh, mate, I'll go ahead and leave it there. Calm. thanks as always. I appreciate it, mate. And uh, we appreciate everyone listening, downloading all that there. Thanks, for, by the way, for listening to Brian Robson interview. If you haven't had a chance to listen to it, um, not my best performance, I will admit. Uh, I was sort of caught on a words a little bit, but um, all the same, it was great to speak to Rabo. Mate, uh, we'll leave it there. So anything, Dad, before you go? Just the same as you in terms of the, the, the game tomorrow. I think, uh, sorry, on Thursday, I think United will win. I think there'll be goals in the game. I would be shocked if it's a 2-1 or a 3-2. I think it'll be an exciting game. They always are at this time of year. I feel under the lights as well. But as you say, Phil, thanks for listening to the show. Thanks for the support that you give us. And uh, thanks to you, Phil, obviously, for having me on. It's always a pleasure. My pleasure, mate. Cheers, folks. Take it easy. Bye.